Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Vincent D'Onofrio began his career on the theater stage, making his Broadway debut in the production of Open Admissions before making a jump to the big screen. He can be seen in some of the biggest movies and television series like Men in Black, The Cell, and Law & Order Criminal Intent. On this episode of the Carlos Watson Show podcast, Vincent D'Onofrio reflects on how he first got involved in acting, his role on Law & Order, and his new project, The Eye of Tammy Faye. Hey, Vincent. Hey. How are you? Good. How are you? Good, good. I understand we are fellow Miamians. Well, hi, Leah. Oh, I love that. I love a guy that's not willing to say Miami that he's doing. Hi, Leah. Now, were you Hialeah High or Hialeah Miami Lakes? Hialeah Miami Lakes. I love that. You guys had some. Um, you guys had some talent uh, back in the day. You guys had some uh, in the in the football team. Yeah, we did. We did good for a while back in the yeah seventies. I guess it was. Yeah. Seventy. I think seventy-five, seventy-six, something like that. Yeah. You guys had a guy named Michael Timpson, I think. Who was uh, who was one of your guys who later went to the league? Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Who did he play for? He played for. He went to Penn State, and then I think he ended up playing for a bunch of people, including the Dolphins and uh, maybe the Patriots. And then you guys had really good basketball later on. Um, I don't know if you followed their basketball in the '80s, but you guys won state championships, and uh, um, you guys were a uh, a pretty ferocious team back in the day. I didn't know that actually. Yeah, That's yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. Did you now did you grow up in Miami the whole way or did you you move there later in life or I lived Yeah, I lived both in New York and in Florida. And then eventually after high school, I ended up in New York studying acting. But but um my grandfather and all of my relatives were in Brooklyn. And uh so I was raised partly in my grandfather's house and then partly in uh, Hialeah. And, and now why Hialeah? What, what brought you guys down to, uh, to South Florida? I think that I, that's where my, my, um, my parents met in Hawaii. My mom's, uh, my grandfather on my mom's side opened uh, the first fried chicken Italian restaurant in Honolulu. And, and that, that's a true little bit of information. And, uh, and then my dad was in the air force. He was, his family was from um, Brooklyn as well, but, they um, they met he they met in the restaurant. She was a waitress in my grandfather's restaurant, and they met and they uh, went to New York for a little while, and then they moved down to Florida. Wow! So you and Obama, both of you uh, parents, met in Hawaii uh, right around the same time. That's uh, uh, pretty cool, right? Yeah, yeah. Did you ever spend any time in Hawaii at all, either for fun or for you know with family? I went to yeah, I went to um, elementary school partly there. And then, uh, and then I, you know, I've been back since, and I have a lot of relatives there still. So was anyone an actor in the family, or, or were you the first? 
my sister, my sister was um, an actress when she was younger. She was, she did it in high school. I didn't do any of that kind of stuff, but um, um, we actually, when, when she decided to uh, study uh, more seriously, I kind of tagged along and um, we ended up in our first school together called the American Stanislavski Theater Company run by a woman named Sonia Moore. And we used to do plays with them. That's where I started doing theater in that, in that, um, in her troupe of actors. And uh, yeah, so my sister, and my dad was always involved in community theater though. He was an interior designer by trade. And um, he was really into um, starting community theaters and stuff wherever he lived. And so he used to, uh, so I grew up um, a lot of the time, you know, doing tech and lights and, you know, sound and building sets and stuff like that. I, I so love, I've met a couple of people like you who I feel like got a chance to learn in some way from their parents and 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 got to kind of see it up close. I was talking to uh, uh, Felicia Rashad's daughter, uh, Condola Rashad, who uh, was talking about getting a chance to be her mom's right hand and see it all up close in person. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. I love Lisa Rashad. She's awesome. Man. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. No, it was, you know, acting was was never intimidating for me. Um, I grew up watching a lot of people get nervous and have butterflies and stuff like that. And, and I don't know, being a techie, just kind of like, you know, it's more about, you know, getting this, this, the show, right. You know, there's really no time to be nervous. You can't miss your cues and stuff like that. I, I always think that that kind of helped me because I, I don't get nervous. Um, I get nervous about things in real life, but I don't get nervous about, uh, um, acting at all. And I think that has a lot to do with being a techie when I was younger and just watching actors, you know? Oh, I really, and so is that even true with auditions? Like with auditions, do you get nervous or did you get nervous when, when you were auditioning a lot? No, I, I never, I've never experienced butterflies or, I mean, it's, it's, uh, it's not because I'm, you know, you know, any braver than the next actor or anything. It's just, it's just something that I, I don't, I don't, I just don't experience it. You know, I just, uh, um, and, and then later, you know, I just never have. And then later in age, when I started to study, it all just made more sense to me. And the more focused that I am on, um, servicing the story when the camera's rolling and, or, or when I walk out on stage that, you know, there's, there's, there's no time to be, um, I just don't have any time to be butterflies. And I, I've seen other actors like that too. There's, there's, there's a, there's other actors as well that don't get nervous. It's a, I, I sometimes wish that I could join the club of people getting nervous because when you're doing theater, you know, people are, you are, you are waiting for your cue with other actors a lot of the time, you know, you know, so it's, it's interesting not to, but if you know what I found it um, interesting about it is that if something happens on stage, that's unexpected, you know, in a live performance, um, it, it like you're, I'm, I'm first to uh, to be able to fix it while I'm on stage. You know, like I had a very close friend of mine. He, he was wearing spurs on his boots and uh, on, while we were on stage live and uh, he his spurs got linked up together. And and he couldn't uh, he couldn't walk, he couldn't move because the spurs got tangled up. There was like a little chain hanging next to them. 
And uh, so I had to reach down and undo his spurs. And I did it like mid dialogue. You know, it's like there's stuff like that. that <laughs> it comes in handy to, be, to have been a techie. You know, you could take care of problems um, and still say lines. That is awesome that that is true about you. I wonder where else that that kind of dynamic happens where you feel so comfortable with the technicals that you could actually freelance and you could actually, you know, yeah. do that juggling. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but, you know, in, in, in real life, you know, because I have kids and because, you know, um, you know, I get nervous for them and, and, and anxious for them all the time, you know, having to learn new things in life and facing new experiences. You know, my 13-year-old went back to, um, you know, real school for the first time in over a year. And so I was, I was very nervous for him. And, uh, but so it only applies to acting. <laughs> So what kind of dad are you? Are you a uh, are you a very hands on dad? Are you a, are you a soft touch dad? Are you are you the tough dad? What kind what kind of dad are you? Unfortunately, I'm not a tough dad. You know, I do draw lines, with, you know, with certain things, um, but uh, I'm I'm very, you know, I'm I'm very mushy when it comes to my kids. You know, and uh, and so they I'm a real uh, they can they can really you know manipulate the hell out of me (laughs) now were you always that way or have you like if you like if your defense is worn down over the years and now with the 13 year old you know you're uh you're just putty yeah i mean you know i i i you know i tried to enter their world as much as i can it's hard you know when when you as you know when you work a lot to to keep up with the way to communicate with them, what they're into, all the things, you know, cause I like to be able to relate to them on, on their level, you know, when it comes to how much social activity is done on the computer and the phones. And, and, you know, I try to, I try to get into all that with them. And, and, and sometimes I, I do pretty well, but most of the time I'm being schooled by them constantly when it comes to that stuff. But, but I think that, you know, I think that the effort, the constant effort to do that is it gets you closer in a relationship with them, you know? And so I try to, I, I've learned over the years to, to when I do have the time to, to, to try and get to their level, like where they are and, you know, cause they're way far behind, beyond me when it comes to social media and stuff. So I learn a lot from them and I also like to understand what they're up to and why, you know, I, I I love that, and I love your openness to doing that, and it probably makes them smile to see you uh, see you engage with them and try and and, uh, and meet them uh, where they are. I'm Tamika D. Mallory, and it's your boy, my son, the General, and we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but. Same old. <laughs> and catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed, 
and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily Podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What did you learn doing Law and Order? It's such an iconic series. And as I think about you and I think about your life as a New Yorker who lived in Hawaii, but also lived in Miami. And, um, you know, I could see you learning so many different things in Law and Order, whether as a franchise or about uh, the police and, and um, or about crime or about crime solving or about just all sorts of things. What, what did you take away from there? I don't have any you know, preconceived ideas as to what you did learn, but I'm just curious for someone to get a chance to be a part of that. What were two or three of the interesting things that you learned or took away from, from that? Yeah, it was a nine-year job, a nine-season job. It was actually a 10-year job, but nine seasons. But no, it, you know, it's interesting. I never played the character like he was a cop. I just played him as a person, you know, that, that had a job. And so, Law enforcement rarely, even with Kate Irby, who played my partner, you know, law, we, we would constantly have to remind ourselves that we were playing uh, law enforcement because we, we both approached it as people first, you know, and reacted to, to, to a lot, uh, to a certain extent, we reacted like, um, like anybody would to situations, you know, um, there was always an underneath of how we really felt as people about what we were doing and stuff. But I would say that, you know, one of the, when you asked that question just now, it's always the same thing comes to my mind is that I, I'm, a, even though it was really hard to work all those hours and for that long, because um, back then in network television, um, they were allowed to work you for 16, 17, sometimes 18 hours a day, you know, and that's, you know, that's six days a week because you bleed into Saturday and then you basically only have Sunday off. So that's hard. Um, uh, you know, you get paid well for it, but it's, it's tough. And, um, but you know, in hindsight, I'm a better actor after coming out of that than I am, than I was going in. I'm, I, I, my chops were honed in a way that, um, I, I don't think I could have gotten um, in another, in another format or another, uh, platform. It was, the scripts were always, I would say 90, 95% of the time, really tight and really good. Um, written in a, with a certain kind of structure that law and orders are written in, even though my character was, you know, 
was a kind of individual and our, some of the scenes in our series were, were kind of different than the other, the other law and orders, but still in the end, um, you had to make several transitions within one scene. I don't know if this is boring after talking no, about no, it. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. Not yeah. at all. So unlike in a movie where you your character transitions over a few scenes or sometimes over an act, you know, a whole a full act, um, and then has this complete arc through the whole three acts or however many acts the, the film is. But in a television show like that, you, you're making transitions many during one scene. And so to be able to be able to get away with that and constantly not lose focus and constantly be telling story um, for the audience to, to, to like lean forward into, <clears throat> you know, you, you, you get good at it. You really do. And, you know, I fortunately had somebody like Kate Irby working with me, who's a theater actress from Chicago, which is amazing. And she, um, she was very good at, at that. And, and, uh, and then we would have guest stars on the show that were also really, really good at that. And so I learned a lot. I'm telling you, <clears throat> once I came out of that show, I was a better actor, for sure. For, for your money, using whatever uh, uh, terms you want to use, who's on your Mount Rushmore of great actors? Gosh. Um, you mean now or like forever? Forever, forever. Or, or, you know, you can give me both if you want it. You can give me, here's who's in the game today, and you could give me, here's, you know, all time if you want. Well, Alec Guinness, Denzel, um, John Garfield. I mean, some of them are pretty obvious. Meryl Streep, you know, she's, some of her performances when she was younger um, were a true inspiration for me. I, you know, I'd never since like Liv Ullman, you know, she's also was an inspiration for me, but I had never since Liv Ullman seen a woman carry a monologue the way that Meryl did. And, uh, and that was just so inspiring to see uh, somebody hold you for over two minutes when the camera's rolling um, without the camera, you know, moving at all. And, and, you know, so that was always very impressive that, that she was so able to do that. And so, so Liv Ullman would be, Liv Ullman would be another one as well. Um, I was very, very impressed by her. So, you know, that's pretty much it. Um, nowadays, you know, I really, I, I find a lot of the young actors are really good. I don't want to pick favors, but there's a couple of them, men and women that I find to be extremely good actors. Um, and that, that's really nice to see. Because um, a few years ago, it was it, there, I thought that the young actors were suffering a little bit in their in their um, schooling or something was wrong. But nowadays, I think there's some really great um, up and coming actors, men and women, young men and women that are just amazing, and they just floor me in their performances. And uh, but I, again, I don't want to pick favorites, but yeah, so people like that, you know. Oh shoot! I kind of want you to pick a. A, a young buck or two. Give me a young buck or two to watch. Who should I, who should I be paying attention to? I'm not going to do it. No? <laughs> no I'm not okay. going to do it. All I right. think that, I, I don't think it's a, I actually don't think it's a good idea for, to, for them to get too much praise. Yeah. It'll, they, I, I, I'm afraid that 
what will, what will happen to them is what happened to what I saw when I was a kid to other actors that were extremely talented, that they, they started to believe the myth and they um, stopped evolving, you know? And I'm very protective of that because I'm very, um, I'm very snobby when it comes to acting. I, I, I do think it requires um, a lot of effort. And so that's what I'm seeing from some of these young people. I'm seeing a lot of effort and that's very, very inspiring. Even for me, it inspires me. But basically that's how I feel about it, you know? Yeah, I also like, you know, I also, I'm, I, I've just worked with, but before I worked with her, I was, I was also inspired by her talent. It's Jessica Chastain. I think she's really, really good. Yeah. And I have the, I had the opportunity to know Denzel for a long time. Not, not well, but we met at Sundance Laboratory many, many years ago. And just his first few performances um, were just amazing to me. And, and then I, I recently worked with him on, on um, we did a film, a remake of The Magnificent Seven years, a few years ago. And he, he was, you know, you know, there are certain guys like him, Robert Duvall, you know, when the camera is rolling, it's just every breath they take is on film is just amazing to watch. And do you think it is their skill? Do you think it is their love for what they're doing? I think it's both. I think they're both well studied either by circumstance over the years or by, you know, just actual study. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily podcast. We've been with iHeart's Outspoken Network for a year, and what a year it has been. Every weekday, I navigate our rapidly changing world alongside our series of fabulous expert guests. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Woke not just to the latest headlines, but also to the collective power we all have. Woke to the need to build community with those around us. Woke to how to avoid burnout and woke to the ways we can all find joy in the madness. Make Woke AF Daily with Danielle Moody your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. And tune in to hear the ways I am working to stay grounded amidst it all. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old. Oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. That's right. 
tell me a little bit about this uh, this new one. You mentioned Jessica Chastain, Tammy Faye Baker. I still can remember being young with my dad and uh, watching Jim and Tammy Faye on Nightline, if you remember Nightline, yeah, of course, uh, yeah. back in, in the day, and and seeing them even before their fall, actually seeing kind of the, the buildup and them enter prominence and then seeing them go sideways. What was it like uh, filming this with Jessica and Andrew Garfield and the rest? They're just so good. You know, they're, you know, speaking of, you know, great actors, Andrew and her are just, you couldn't ask for uh, a better better people to be on set with. I mean, the scenes that we did together were just, you know, amazing. We, we had a good time, but um, there was no, everybody was so focused. There was no wasting time. There was no, um, there were no misunderstandings of, of the scene. I mean, it was just, we were just on. And it was just, it's just so nice when the camera's rolling to be able to, to just feel like you can take, you know, it's interesting. You, 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 you approach a set for the first time pre-rehearsal and it's just a cold set, you know, literally cold, like the seats are cold, the props are cold. And, and, and it's just, there's no, there's no, nothing there. And then you sit with them and you start to rehearse and you start to create warmth and you, you create a real thickness in the air and like something you can cut with a knife, you know, it becomes, has, it takes on its own life. The scene takes on its own life. It's pretty amazing. And it's, it's always been like that for me. And it's, I find it when there's, when you're working with actors as good as they are, that that just happens every time, you know, it's, it's fantastic. And that's what they were like working with. You know, I, I remember, um, I also remember when I was a kid in Florida, you know, speaking of um, evangelist, TV evangelists, like, like Jim, Jim Baker, that the, the um, you know, I grew up in a very liberal house. You know, my parents were kind of hippies. You know, my dad was an interior designer. They were all kind of free thinking, very, always voted Democrat, very liberal. And I'm a very liberal person and my family now of my own is, is all, they're all liberal. And so I have, there's lines that I draw when it comes to civil liberties and equal rights and, and just all of the issues at the forefront that, that are causing some division in our country. But I think that can be taken too far. When I was a kid, our neighbors, you know, when I would go over their house, they would have a TV evangelists on their television, you know, and, but I was, I did they, they were, I loved them. They were awesome people. And uh, so there was no division. You know, I didn't, we didn't have that in my house, nor did we, we think in those terms, but there was no division as far as humanity. You know, there was no hatred. There was no, there wasn't even discussion beyond what we believed, but minus any threat to each other. You know, there was no threat to each other. And, and so when you're approached to do a film, I mean, you know, Jessica emailed me and asked me if I'd be interested in playing Jerry Falwell. And, and you know, I'd never imagined playing Jerry Falwell before, obviously, or anybody that, or our TV evangelist at all. But, you know, one of the first things I thought of was the vision in this country. And 
I thought when I read the script and I'd watched the documentary, documentary leaned a little bit towards sarcasm and judging them a little bit, whereas, whereas the script is just kind of like, it's just a story. And we don't pull any punches, but yet we also don't um, try to make any kind of assumptions for the audience, let the audience make the assumptions themselves. And I felt that that was a really fair way of doing it. And the portrayal that Jessica does of Tammy Faye has so much humility in it that it's fantastic. It's a fantastic examination of that woman. Um, because the woman that later on in the 80s and the 90s was made fun of so much because of her the skits on Saturday Night Live and just endless amounts of jokes at her expense, you know. But yet, you know, if you really try and look for a piece of videotape where her mascara is running, you can't find one. It, you know, she, she, she was not, she was judged wrongly, you know, uh, I think a lot. And, but, the, but the, my point is, is that as an actor, your job is to service the story. And if you can go, you have to go into that. Like I had to go into Jerry Falwell, even though, he was, he did see an opportunity to take over their jobs and make money for himself. Like for sure he did that. But you have to go into a project like that with an open mind. You can't go in with a, with a divide between you and the other part of the world or the other part of anything for that matter. You have to be open. Otherwise you can't understand the story fully and you can't play the character fully. And so um, that, that this is what I, what I have, this is the residual I have left in me from being involved in that film and, and in this film that's coming out. Um, I hope I didn't go on too long, but those, that's, those were my feelings about it. No, no, no. I, I, I love that you said that. Vincent, they're telling me I only may have a minute or two more with you, but I have to ask you, I've, I've always been taken, and I love you, by the way, in The Godfather of Harlem. I think you, you and, and Giancarlo and Forrest and everybody. So good. C'est magnifique. You guys, it's the best show in the, of, of, of COVID. That and The Last Dance are the two best shows of, of COVID. You guys, you guys got us through, so, so thank you for that. Um, you've got a way about you that I like. It, it is not textbook leading man. You, you, have, you embrace a hesitation, even in the way you talk, in the way you turn your neck, in the way sometimes you grab your ear. You do it in a way that most people would be self-conscious about, but you let yourself do that. Am I right? Am I am I noticing something that is true about you? And, and where does it come from? Why most of us are so, as you said, we're fearful. You talked about Tammy Faye. We're fearful of how people will judge us, how they'll see us, what they'll expect, and therefore we try to conform to what the way they expect us to. But I find in your way of being you seem to have a comfort about you and doing it your own way, which is a little quirky, but I, I don't see you hesitate from it. And I like seeing that. And I almost wish it were true for more of us. I wish more of us, uh, you know, allowed that. A am I right that, that that is you and that that's part of what I'm seeing? Or, or is that you acting? Oh, well, I'm definitely not acting right now. You're getting me fully. Um, you know, if, if, the wrong, if the wrong subject subject came up when we were talking of course i would segue out of it somehow but uh but you're getting the truth i don't know about what you say um i 
I, I don't know how to judge myself when it comes to what you're saying. I, I think that I am comfortable um, being me. I've never um, taken my my celebrity too seriously. You know, I've never. I, I'm certainly not. Um, I've never had the attitude of becoming like a superstar or anything like that. I don't feel like um, I'm the per, I'm the personality type to to do that. I've, I've never felt that way. So maybe that has something to do with what you're saying. I think that I don't have anything to prove really, other than that it's my job to act and I try to do the best I can. You know, kind of a thing. I I don't. I, does that does that help? Does that answer your question at all? It does. It does. Final thing I wanted to do with you is something I call rapid fire. Can I hit you with three or four quick questions and get your reaction? Sure. Uh, what do I, how do I answer them? Just one word or two words? Or? Yeah, uh, just a couple of words or one word, whatever's easy for you. Uh, what's your favorite book of all time? Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, that's, that's too hard, man. That's too hard. You know, I, that's too hard. The, the the list is is too long right now i'm reading a lot of poetry and stuff i love poetry um you, you know what let me change let, let me change it what's one of your favorite books well i mean they're I, I, probably the same ones a lot of people like like atlas shrugged and you know that that's one of my favorites you know i think that it's it enlightened me i read it a couple of times through my life and it enlightened me in a way to how um you know, the worst case scenario of, of humanity and, and also um, and also if you lend yourself to it in some ways, the best case scenario. And so and I think it I think about it a lot these days because it has a lot to do with what's going with what's happening now um, in people's attitudes and, and the way um, society is. Vincent, if you could have dinner with anyone, dead or alive, who would you love to have dinner with? Oh, my God. Um, I mean, I, it's going to be an actor, you know. It's it's, it's going to be like Monty Clift or it's going to be somebody like that. It's going to be Anna McNanny or, you know. I had dinner once with Marcello Mastriani, so I can't say that. But, you know, it, People like that. Uh, sliding doors. If you hadn't become an actor, what would you have done? A teacher, or uh, or a street artist, maybe. You know, I, I'm I'm very into art. I'm very into all kinds of art. Maybe um, if I would have picked up an instrument earlier in life, maybe a musician. But I, I basically I think that I would have gone the teacher route. I think I would have been. Um, some kind of, you know, something to do with, with story, probably um, some, some kind of creative subject. English teacher, high school, college? Yeah, I think probably, I think probably high school or maybe college of something, either creative writing or, or yeah, English. Yeah. Final question, uh, your karaoke song. You and I are out doing karaoke. What are you singing? I, I, I mean, it's... It's definitely going to be like a Stevie Wonder song, you know, it's, or Marvin Gaye, you know, um, you know, what's going on, you know, it's, yeah, I think Marvin Gaye. 
I love that. I love that. I love Marvin Gaye on his own. Love Marvin Gaye with Tammy Terrell. Love oh, Marvin yeah. Gaye. Oh my God. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I think we were around, maybe they're around the same age. I think we grew up with that music. Yeah. Hey, Vincent, they, uh, they're making me let you go, but, but I'm only letting you go because they're making me let you. Uh, please know that you got a big fan out here in California. Uh, really appreciate you and appreciate your work. Oh, thanks, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Be safe. Have a terrific, terrific week. Uh, thank you, man. I appreciate it. Okay, take care. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Carlos Watson Show podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcast. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, love at First, first listen. listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Danielle Moody here, host of the Woke AF Daily Podcast. We've been with iHeart for a year, and what a year it has been. As we head deeper into 2024 and yet another life-changing election cycle, Woke AF Daily is here to keep you sane and woke. Make Woke AF Daily your podcast destination for 2024 election news and analysis. Listen to Woke AF Daily Season 5 on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.